Hmm. And he's got to go to Middlesbrough and get something. I am not playing mind games, I am talking about facts. If I speak, I am in, in big trouble. And I think you, 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 are, you are an ostrich. Hello everyone and welcome back to the Talking Absolute Ball podcast. Uh, my name is Cameron and I'm currently joined by the sultry Alex Miller. How are we? Isolated, alone, depressed. That's just a normal week for you, isn't it? Oh, sorry, I just thought we were talking about uh, Liverpool's transfer window, so I thought I'd get a head start in there. We shall be coming on to that, absolutely. That is to come. He and I shall discuss our woeful club's business, or or maybe not so, in just a moment. Wow, wow, wow. We shall, we shall discuss. And then Nikita, not Nicholas, Nikita, shall join Alex later on in the episode to discuss the very interesting transfer news going on around the world. Um, Alex, before we get there, tell me, have you been looking at the Olympics at all? I have. Not intently, Cameron. I watch the Olympics as I think 90% of the people who watch the Olympics do. Yep. It's interesting background viewing and it's, you know, a decent novelty. I think the last time I watched High Jump was pretty much exactly four years ago. So, um, yeah, no, I like it. it. It keeps things fresh, doesn't it? Have you been watching the Olympics? I have when uh, I've been not unconscious, as when it normally seems to be. But I've been trying to catch up with the highlights and so on. Uh, what do you, what's your opinions on synchronized swimming? <laughs> uh, would it surprise you to know that I have no opinions on um, synchronised swimming, nor synchronised diving, or any kind of synchronised activity? I thought we were going to see you lining up for the for the island in Paris. I do. I would like to. I feel like it's a bit late for me now, though. Never too late, Alex. Never too late. Mind you, I don't think I've ever got in a swimming pool ever in my life with some kind of competitive or fitness intent. I usually just go there with a direct mind to floating. And yeah. That's about it. Absolutely. I love a leisurely swim. I don't. I can't, I, I, I can't I trust those. I am one those. big floater, Cam. That's what I am. You, you are a big floater. And you're brilliant at a shark um, torpedo game, which to those listening won't have a clue what we're on about. But Alex and I went on holiday, just the two of us, very romantic, last year in Greece. And Alex turns out to be a wonderful torpedo gets the one into the pool to the other without needing a breath. It's incredible. Okay. You know, I don't want you to undersell that achievement either. We're talking fairly decently sized swimming pools here. If that was an Olympic sport, I'd be in. Yeah, well, I think it should be, to be honest. <laughs> Alex, My buoyancy is a huge advantage. You are. If, if <laughs> uh, who, What's that scene from Titanic? Because you'd be a wonderful raft. I'd... <laughs> yes. And, uh, well, I think on that note, Cam, let's talk about some football. Yes, okay. Uh, and not the Olympics football, because that is dire. Oh, um, who gives a shit? I know. Well, I just... well, no, to be fair, I assume the athletes give a shit. I, I feel quite harsh when I say that. Yeah, well, well, not the... Well, actually, not. I'm not saying the GB men don't, but they weren't allowed to enter a team. Do you know why that is? No, I t only vaguely. Isn't it to do with some kind of bickering between the various FAs? It's, it's exactly that, the different federations... Yeah just can't yeah. seem to get it together because they're worried that if it, about their is it their national teams or something like it just diminishes the uh uniqueness i don't know what it is but yeah bollocks because everybody every four years goes i'll scrap the world cup i can't wait to watch a load of brazilian under 23s win the olympics yeah exactly um what a load of crap i for one actually would have loved to have seen some kind of gb amalgamation um but it is what it is Okay, I think you're right. Let's get into some football chat. Uh, like I said, uh, you and I are going to go over our beloved clubs and how they've been doing so far, and, and but more crucially, what they what we feel they need to to do for the first or in time for the first game in a couple of weeks' time. Where where would you say Liverpool are at? Uh, yeah, so in truth, Cam, I'm not quite sure where I think we stand at the moment. I don't want to go all long live the revolution like some Liverpool fans do on social media about our lack of transfer activity because I think people forget that although he was signed before it, Canate still was this window and it is yeah. a signing we wanted and that sort of 30 to 40 million outlay tends to be 
without too many exceptions, sort of it or over half of what we'd spend on any given summer anyway. So I, I, I don't want to discount that because I think that is a good signing as long as we can keep him fit. But there are a lot of problems or at least vulnerabilities in that team that haven't been addressed. The big one is losing Wijnaldum and I've banged on about this before about how he featured in all 38 Premier League games last season. That's um, mad, by the way. I didn't realise that. I know, it's, it's an incredible stat, isn't it? Obviously, he didn't start all of them. They're, that includes sub-appearances. But it's no, but it still, shows how important he was. Yeah, it shows the calibre of the player that we, or at least the importance of the player that we let go. And mm. despite some early links uh, in the last couple of months, there's there's not been that much firm, reliable um, intelligence on that Liverpool are going for a midfield replacement. And I think it would be sorely needed because I don't see who in that midfield can plug a 38-game hole. Yeah, I'm totally shocked. You can correct me if I'm wrong, but what has really surprised me about the window so far for Liverpool, and totally, I totally understand the financial constraints, but it's not striking me as that you've learnt the lessons from last season. What I mean by that is your squad depth, or just your squad size, your, your front... Fr- no, sorry, your starting three midfielders of Fabinho, Thiago... Henderson, tremendous. Henderson is, has an injury in him. Probably still has yeah, one. Yeah, he, he usually misses a couple of months each season, somewhat reliably. And I guess you could say, oh, Curtis Jones, fine. But for a club mm. your size, and in the amount of games you're playing, this is the thing we get onto of Arsenal, not having as many games you're playing with Europe and so on. I'm completely shocked that you've not replaced someone who, like you say, has played 38 games for you last year. Yeah, no. I mean, you mentioned Curtis Jones there. He's a player who I think blows a bit hot and cold at the moment. Um, I'm still not quite sure what kind of midfielder he is. I think back to times like last season where he absolutely dominated against Spurs, and you're thinking, yeah. Yeah, "Holy shit, we've got a player here!" But, um, but you... then, you know, then the next two games, he won't do much. And so, I don't know if Curtis Jones is at a stage of his development where you can bank on him to fill that gap. Um, yeah. You know better than I, 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 but if, say, the first game of the season, Thiago, which happened last year, Thiago and Henderson pick up an injury for two, three months, what is your midfield three? So Fabinho, obviously, but who are the other two? Well, the you start going down the options and it becomes really average really quickly. Yeah. There's... Kaita, who I still think could be a player, but he's just as liable to be injured in that spell and you can't call upon him anyway. Curtis Jones, who we've just talked about, so I won't retread that. Um, But safe to say there'd be some doubts he could carry the midfield for that long. There's there's James Milder, who's ultra-reliable. is obviously a great professional. We all know how solid he is. But he's not at the stage of his career when he can dominate the midfield for two months in a row. Mm. That... That leaves what uh, Ox, who I mean, I'll come on to in a little bit, but who we seem to, if anything, be training into being a backup false nine for Firmino at the moment. So I'm not sure how that fits yeah. into the plan. It, it's um, yeah. I mean, you peel at Liverpool's wallpaper, very impressive wallpaper, and I do agree that there's not a particularly solid structure. William Morris that. wallpaper. Well, yeah, we don't got a uh, can't spare any expense on the facade here, Cam. No, but um, no, yeah. Once you get past that starting midfield, it does worry me slightly. Uh, and I think Fabino usually has a month out each season as well with some kind. Of, with, with him, it's not recurring. So and five months at centre back. Yeah, well, but I guess the flip side with that is with Fabinho, it's not usually a muscle thing. Usually it's some kind of impact injury. So there's every chance that perhaps yeah. kind of look, yeah. he can get through a full season. But Henderson won't. Um, I doubt that Thiago will. I I know that Naby Keita won't. Yeah, um, Ox won't. Ox won't, certainly. And that leaves, what, James Milner and Curtis Jones? Yeah, Milner will. Yeah, he'll be all right. Maybe... A, the odd sort of muscle pull, but he'll yeah. be at a solid enough level. I'm fine with him playing in midfield, but 
I'm not fine with him being a first choice midfielder for 40, 50% of the season. Um, and just while we're on the subject of depth here and not learning the lessons of last season, I mean, we've got, we do have a little bit of centre back depth now, but uh, that's a bit They are all shaky. injury prone. They're all injury prone. Um, people like Phillips want really to crack on with their careers elsewhere because they know they're not going to get too many minutes unless there's another defensive apocalypse this season. Mm. So, and now you look at Kabak, who we've let go and who is now essentially going for a free. Yeah, that's a strange one. Yeah, I feel sorry for him as well because he he didn't play badly. That first Leicester game in the Prem was horrendous, but after that he did um, sort of stabilise and I think was a really, um, if you could call his Liverpool career a cameo, it was a very good one in terms of we got what we needed out of him and he helped get across the line in the um, European places. So that's another strange one when he's going for such little that there, yeah. there seems to be no interest there from Liverpool. And then finally, finally is the striking position, which I don't know if you were going to come to one anyway. But, yeah. And that's arguably not just a question of depth. There's arguably now real doubts there if um, can you know can Firmino even get through a season leading that line or supporting that line as he's more of a false nine anyway. I would say there was grounds for encouragement on that in the last four or five games of last season when he was really good and there were shades of that sort of 2018 Firmino where he created and actually was able to score a couple. But uh, apart from that, it was a really dire season. So, I mean, Liverpool have papered over the most obvious crack at centre-half, but have just completely ignored a bunch of warning signs again everywhere else across the pitch. And if uh, a couple of lengthy injuries land the wrong way on those positions, we could be in another scramble for a Champions League place in a season where every team around us has improved and it gets a lot harder. Yeah. um, I am not really sure what's going on with your front line either. I was wondering, is it a case you're waiting for Shakiri and Origi to to be gone? I think I think there's a lot of that because I think Liverpool are banking on getting at least somewhere around twenty twenty five million for both of them, as in both of them put together combined, yeah, one yeah. E- yeah, combined fee of around twenty twenty five million, and that does open the door maybe to a um, not a superstar striker, but that wouldn't be a Liverpool kind of signing anyway, but. Um, certainly somebody who could put pressure on Firmino. I I guess the flip side to this is that funny hamstring injuries aside, we should get a much more consistent season out of Jota this time around. And I think seeing him play a lot in sort of Firmino's position last year, I think Liverpool are banking on him being able to do that role and it wouldn't hugely surprise me if um, Mane, Jota, Salah are the front three for a lot of next season. Yeah. Um, and then there also seems to be this. I won't say bizarre because we don't have back scenes access, so we don't know how it's it's going. But there does seem to be reports that Ox has been training in that sort of false nine role, which strikes me as odd. But who knows if that's going somewhere, and if that can be the kind of backup role he he can play for 10 games a season maybe there's something in that but again it, it's just things that while should be okay it it does worry you I don't want to come across like I'm saying oh I think Liverpool will have a bad season next time I don't I'm not one of these Liverpool fans who thinks we're gonna suck every year but you ask me if I have any sort of overall feelings on the transfer window it's one of sort of vague anxiety that if we can keep the squad fit it should be fine but these are massive vulnerabilities that we're only a couple of injuries away from showcasing at any given moment. Yeah, uh, I, I agree that I think next season we're going to see a lot of Mane, Jota and Salah. The Oxlade thing sounds really intriguing, but I don't think we'll, he'll be at all fit enough to actually follow it through at all to see if he'd be any good there. Yeah, um, I don't think we'll see much of him. Uh, I think it'll be one of those pre-season stories, pre-season experiments that actually when it gets to the season... Injuries notwithstanding, it yeah. won't actually be seen by the regular viewer like me and you. 
although there are these links uh, between yourself, uh, you, Alex, you personally, and Adama Traore. I don't like that one. I, I know you don't. I, I prefer the I see new... Um, I prefer the new Jonathan David link that seemed to appear oh, really? today out Interesting. of... Yeah, uh, this afternoon, no less. But it's very... It's it's tenuous at best. I think it's another bullshit one, but I much prefer that to the ongoing... He does play that centre-forward role very well. Um, although, oh, yeah, well, I know it's a different signing to Triori because he's a winger, but I would much yeah. prefer that one. But why I, I say I see the Triori one is that I think... Klopp sees Jota as the heir to the Firmino throne. That's just what I get. Yeah, I can I can see that. I just don't think um, I don't think Traore has much of an end product. Do you, well, he's I, only going to be an impact sub, isn't he? But that, that's it. But I question the impact he could provide. Oh, really? I guess I guess he's going to be fitter and more aggressive attacking than Shakiri. So yes, he could probably have a bigger effect in the last 20 minutes of the game which if we which if that's what we're signing him for then fine but we have very sort of spendthrift a transfer policy like that anyway and I don't know if I'd want our limited resources going to um going on a impact player for the last 20 minutes when there is somewhere like a when we have lost a, a net 38 game player so yeah. far in the window. When I say, uh, perhaps just a final point on this, I'm not, again, not trying to say people should feel sorry for Liverpool and all. We're, you know, we're poor. We don't. We don't, we don't spend. Well, I know people don't, but I, the last thing I want is people thinking I'm saying they should. Um, obviously, Liverpool are an extremely wealthy club that obviously could spend if they wanted to. But I think it's fair to say that that's not the model they've got in place right now. So it, they do operate with limited resources in that respect and I just don't think now is a time for be for buying 20 to 30 million back wingers when there's a potentially massive hole in midfield just ready to be ripped open 10 games into next season yeah uh I, this will be an out of a conversation uh for another time because we'd like to get on to uh my woes um but I totally see what you're saying about the financial model you know I also had a similar thing for forever there's going to come a point very soon Salah Mane they're going to be off or not the powers that they once were and to keep at that level especially when you haven't got the depth depth coming through you're going to have to dig into your pocket and I'm I've been surprised that you haven't just this this passive waiting for sales of Origi and Shakiri. I think it's going to bite you on the arse to be honest I would say just slightly in defence of it might take an age to rebuild the Mane and Salah gap once they go, if we don't develop first. I will say that we put that front line together very quickly. Now, to do it again, you're obviously relying on a similarly genius level of transfer activity. Because I don't think anybody... People knew Mane was good, but didn't think he'd be this good. And Salah was just an even more extreme version of that. So yeah. Liverpool's plan seems to be relying on doing that again. I don't know how feasible that is, but at the same time, I've not got too many reasons to doubt the transfer team there. So it's one of those that um, I can certainly see why they're going for this approach and the past results vindicate it. But I do agree that it's perhaps unrealistic to expect to be able to back yeah. uh, another sort of two transformational wingers who people don't see it coming from. I totally see what you're saying and I agree that they haven't really done anything wrong Have the, I think the Liverpool transfer team is one of the best not just buying but also selling um, I however, will say oh. oh sorry I keep on saying the final point but this is the final final point I think it's quite interesting this season on the selling side of things how I think Liverpool flops are starting just starting to uh, come back to haunt us a little bit here Oh, what, the Solankis and the... The Solankis, the Brewsters, the Ives Ives of this world. I I think it's great. And look, no one's loved making jokes about it more than me. But I think that we would be offloading perhaps Origi or uh, Shakiri a lot more easily this summer 
if Brewster had got 10 or 15 last year rather than nothing at all. <laughs> rather than so nothing. While, so while I think it's great saying, you know, oh, um, isn't it great we've got 20 million for somebody who doesn't score, now that we need to sell players to rebuild gaps in our team, it, it's biting us a little bit, that is, I think. Yeah. but And, and what I was going to quickly uh, tag on to the last point was that I think it is unrealistic to say that you're going to find two hundred hundred and fifty million uh worth players for thirty million again. So the likes of Salah and Mane who you picked was I know Salah was thirty, thirty three. Was Salah Mane was, r- Salah was thirty five, I think, and I think Mane was forty two. So oh, was it forty two? I didn't realise it was like Mane, that. Mane, I think that might be with add-ons now, admittedly, but Mane was fractionally more expensive. But you're talking 72 million there for, as you say, yeah. um, players that not now, but a year ago, perhaps when they were a year younger, you could have sold for a combined 180 million Exa- or so. Uh, m- probably more a year yeah. uh, pre-COVID. Uh, and I guess, I know you were saying like it, it's, it's on the Liverpool team to find those kind of, not hidden talents, but unforeseen uh, players with that kind of output, but it's just I think it's a long shot that you're going to get two for seventy million of that caliber. Um, but before, as we round off, if I ask you one position that tomorrow Liverpool could feel fill, what would it be? Well, the the what what would be my number one priority? Number one, yeah. It it is central midfield for two reasons. I've mentioned the game, uh, the sheer just sort of weight of the games by Alden filled last season, and. Obviously, that's a big reason to replace somebody. Obviously, it's played with a huge influence there. So there's the whole game time side of it. The other reason is that we don't score goals from midfield anymore. Don't get me wrong, I'm not expecting... I don't, I don't think we need or should expect a, a Stephen Gerrard who can score 10 or 15 from midfield each season. But it worries me how um, anemic Liverpool have become there. So I would get the midfield addressed come hell or high water this summer because I think there's a gaping hole there just waiting to be exposed if one of the main ones go down and I think it could do with somebody who is a little bit more direct and can be a little bit more of a goal threat when we're struggling to break teams down on the wing like we had so much trouble doing last season Um, I suppose in a way it's sad because that's what Kaito was supposed to be but while I've not fully checked out on that it's hard to see it working out to the degree we wanted it to now yeah, talking about gaping holes, let's get on to my beloved Arsenal. Um, who... I was really worried where that was going to go. <laughs> yes, don't worry, everyone. Uh, it's just going to be more painful. Um, Arsenal, we have many holes that needed filling, uh, but we have been a bit more active than Liverpool, and we have filled some of them. However, there are many more to go. What are your opinions so quickly on our big money signing so far, Ben White? I actually don't dislike this transfer as much as I think it has been received on the social medias of this world. Mm. I obviously think 50 million is steep, but I think sometimes when a club desperately needs a player, you're going to get hung out for larger fees. I mean, look at as a Van Dijk. Obviously, I don't think he'll have that kind of impact, but I think he's a very good centre-back. And I think he'll do fine. So, yeah, totally. Increasingly, in in, okay, maybe not so much now with the COVID impact, but before that and in the future when it sort of regularizes again, I think we'll judge transfers based on money spent less and less, and I think it will just entirely almost come down to player output now. Yeah. So as long as he can put in a decent few seasons for Arsenal. Which I think he will. I think fifty million is fine. So I like that. I like that signing. the The value well, means it can't be ten out of ten, but you, I'd give it like a seven or an eight. Yeah. Well, on your point, say like a Maguire at United, like eighty million. Everyone was like, "What on earth?" More than Van Dyke, and and that point valid as in he's not better than Van Dyke. However, I don't think about the the price tag now. I think he's a very good player for United, captain and starting centre-back, the best they've got. I completely agree. I don't think there's a single United fan now that regrets the money involved in that signing. Exactly. And don't get me wrong, at the time, I would just the same as you. It's only a recent sort of epiphany recently that I think it's just kind of daft to talk about the fees anymore. 
Um, but that's part of the example that's led me to this sort of fort conversion. Um, yeah. There's not a single Man United fan that regrets the money outlaid on that now. I think there are, there are so many intricacies now as well in the individual negotiations that football clubs go through that you can't like for like compare on price anymore. It yeah. is just output. So because of that, that in hindsight is a good signing. I think if you take the money spent aside with the Arsenal move and just say Arsenal have picked up Ben White, yeah. leave the price blank, you'd go, okay, good move. Exactly. Same with Man United and Sancho. The price is huge, but you get a really good player from that. So, Well, actually, I think they've got a really good price for him in the end, to be honest. I thought they were going to be looking well, 100 the, plus. Even at the moment? Because I don't think... Well, not, pre, sort of, not post-COVID. Is, yeah, this is what I mean. This is sort of trying to estimate, which I guess we can't do because we don't have all the financials, but this is trying to estimate how badly the finances have been hurt. I don't think £100 million deals are reasonable at the moment, which is why I kind of thought... Mm. The uh, the money they did spend on the end was it was really good for Dortmund to get that cash at the moment. I right. say this, Man City could potentially outlay two hundred million on two players this well, summer. So you guys shall discuss that. But that's yeah, kind of exactly. my, my thing of like, and we've quoted seventy plus for Madison, uh, who I think is a wonderful player, who I might go into in a, in a moment about the attacking midfield role. But Sancho is surely levels above him, uh, and it's the same price, give or take. Um, but yeah, no, uh, Ben White, I'm very happy with. I think actually Liverpool got the ball rolling on this when you spent big for the likes of Van Dijk and Allison. Um, yeah. and at first people saw the, the value, but the transfer fee, but quickly turned to, you know what? You had two big gaping holes and you filled them with exactly what you needed. I'm not saying Ben White's the same player or will have the exact same impact, but what we needed was a ball playing right centre back, a good age to replace David Louise and I think he's proven with what you hear from his time at Brighton Leeds and also at the England camp that White really impressed people there and I for one am very happy with the signing the only thing I'm upset about is actually what this means for Saliba but we'll see what that is in a year um, so yeah no, I'm happy with that we needed a backup left back Tavares has come in and looked very good in pre-season Lokonga looked very good uh, so that's one to be excited with but I hope there's not too much pressure um, however we are missing, missing, missing a crazy midfielder. Very happy to see Emil Smith-Rowe get his contract uh, extended. However, he is a... I don't really know what to say about it. He is a brilliant dribbler. And he's a bit of a nuisance. And I like him a lot. But he's not really a creator, if that makes sense. He's not a Mesut. Which is good, because I don't exactly want the kind of laziness that comes with Mesut. But God, do I miss that that quality on the ball when he has it in those pockets. And that is what Arsenal are missing dearly. Aubameyang is screaming. Oh, actually, he can't finish to save his life at the moment. But he is screaming out for some more chances. So we are missing someone there in that kind of in that pocket. So that, for me, is the, the big one. Do you have anybody in mind that Arsenal could, uh, could have? I've mentioned you Madison. Mentioned, you mentioned Madison already. Um... Who are you it, giving it's me? A, it's it's a bit different, but you can't get Mbueno anymore, can you? I know he plays from the wing, but he's still quite creative. Sorry to mm. rub, sorry to go back on mm. that one again. That, I still wish we had it. <laughs> yeah, uh, it, it hurts. It, it that, hurts. That transfer is killer, isn't it? Uh, apart from that, I mean, I'm thinking he plays a bit deeper than Madison, but I'm thinking Aura maybe. But yeah, well, they're um, the two big ones that we're linked with, isn't it? So. Yeah, of course. I've seen it with him as well. I, I think either of those would be fine. Um, well, the huge link, have you heard this recently, is, which, believe it or don't believe it, but it's come from reputable sources like David Ornstein, that we are highly interested in Latara Martinez, who I thought yeah. would be perfect, perfect I, I have as seen a Firmino that, replacement. I know, I have seen that, but have you also seen that he wants Champions League football and apparently his agent wants Liverpool? Which oh, I hurts. gotta say, I feel sorry for the guy because we're you cheap. ain't spending. You we're ain't cheap. spending eighty million. <laughs> we ain't gonna. Ju- I-, I love that he wants to play for us, and I think it's cute. But I'm sorry, mate. <laughs> we're not gonna do it. Maybe, yeah. uh, maybe do both of your knee ligaments in a season and bring that prize down, and we'll consider it. Yeah. Um, no, look. Obviously, that would be a golden signing. It's not quite what you were looking for there. No, it's no. Not- it's <laughs> but, going to be a Lacazette but given replacement. Your, 
Yeah, but given your striking struggles, I think that's that would be a brilliant signing. And the fee doesn't really deter me because I completely agree with you. The modern transfer outlook should be intensive player research to decide who you want yeah. and then go and get him no matter what the fee is. Mm. Because it beats trying to... Because uh, we see it with other clubs. I think you try and bargain basement it and you buy players who you think are good value but perhaps aren't as good a fit. And before you know it, you've actually... Say if instead of spending eighty million on a player, you've actually ended up spending a hundred on three different players a season after another, which don't fill yeah. the which don't fix the issue. So the fee wouldn't bother me, but I don't know if you'll get that done because I I don't know if he wants Arsenal right now. But maybe as the window yeah. progresses, you'll become more appealing. If you know what I mean. Perhaps, but and I, to be honest with you, and I, I could to the cows come home and complain about Arsenal board and how they go about their business and so forth. But this year, I have much more enjoyed. Uh, targets they've been going after younger players with a lot of potential who the Ben White's look on and so on but also I was very worried they were going to do what Liverpool have done with the whole because there is so much Deadwood and by the way this could bite us on the arse come the 30th of August or whatever if we've not got the majority of them through the door because currently our squad size is ginormous but I think it's worked in our favour that we've not waited for sales yeah because we could have, we could have been gazumped for the likes of White, just waiting. Because we've not, we've had Guendouzi go out the door, and we've got a one million uh, loan fee, and that's it. And I know that it's a risky game they're playing, but I'm happy that we're not like you waiting for the Origi sales and so forth. That we're not waiting for those sales, and we are going and getting what we feel we need. Uh, like I say, there's so much more we need. We need a backup goalkeeper. I'm praying, um, perhaps a starting right back. But I think at this moment, that's the least of our worries because. We technically have three, maybe four right-backs that could play there um, who are serviceable till next year if we don't find someone. Um, but like I say, the big hole for me is creative midfielder. would love to see Madison. That's the thing is, I'd love to see Madison because of his goals. But if, I'm at, if I am talking creating, then I guess Awar would be, would be the one. Um, and with, I've, I assume you've heard the news that Xhaka is staying after all this yeah. drama uh that also and i think we'll which see. i actually like by the way um i'm not against I, it i don't i'm not an arsenal fan as is well publicized so i don't have the emotional baggage of that incident um uh, which but, could be any to be honest <laughs> but i think we know I, i'm talking about the the headline one the finger to the crowd but um yeah that was I like me thinking that. you were talking about burnley away well as you say could be any. yes but no yes but um but I like that. I think he had a good Euros. I think he's a decent player. I don't think he... It's a strange thing to say this, but hear me out. You're doing a rebuild and you have the advantage of not being expected or pressured to compete for the title next season. Which means you can stick around with players like Jacker and one of your many right-back options for perhaps a season or two longer than you would want and mm. go big books on some... Um, big players now perhaps rather than having to sort of find elite players to patch every single spot like which is unrealistic which is unrealistic but it, it's kind of a position that clubs can get in when they try and i think man united united for example i think have been doing that for about three or four years now have been instead of trying to focus on a rebuild have almost been trying to title compete every season yeah. so because of that they're, they're just trying to buy players who they think will be superstars and will patch positions without having any particular sort of framework in mind not this summer this this summer i think they've been better but for the last two or three years that's what i'd characterize man united as doing but without that pressure of being expected to compete you can adopt a more long-term strategy and spend more money on players that will actually be the cornerstones of your club moving forward but in about three or four years' time rather than win tomorrow. So I think in some ways that gives you more licence to, you know, FIFA career mode save your transfer window yeah. and build up better. So I, because And you, you can integrate them more effectively as well. well. Well, exactly. You're building a system around them rather than trying to plug in and play uh, pre-made players to fix the problems you have. So in some respects... Obviously, Arsenal aren't in a good position and I wouldn't want Liverpool to be in that position. But if you're trying to see a good side out of it, 
there it yeah. is. It does give you more space to breathe. It gives the players more room to develop and less pressure to do it in as well. So you can be a bit more punchy with certain transfers or certain contract renewals that people aren't sure about that perhaps a team expected to win tomorrow wouldn't be as um, keen on doing. Yeah, and we don't have European football, which as much as that hurts, it means that we don't need to have quality, quality backup in all positions. Um, obviously, we need able backup and not, you know, having to play every week, midweek and so forth. So I think yeah, that I I would, be, I'm more than I, happy to go into the season with Xhaka and Chambers, for instance, starting as long as that money that's saved not replacing a Xhaka and getting a starting right back is used for a quality creative midfielder. Because that, is, for me, is the glaring hole. Yeah, or somebody squad. who will become one. I mean, I, I completely agree. On the European... Oh, Odegaard as well. Yeah, that, that would be a good example. On the European football front, you're completely right. I think you much prefer to be in your position than Spurs. Than Spurs yeah. in, in, in the absolute zoo of European football, that is the Conference League. Oh, it's um, wonderful. Well, it, it is. It is a zoo as well. All these teams I've never heard of. It's delightful. Um, but I can't wait. I, I think with your focus on a rebuild, it's better. You're almost better coming... I can't remember. Was it eighth last season? It's been eighth for the last two seasons. Yeah, yeah. You're better coming eighth than you were coming seventh, seventh and getting the Conference League. So that's yeah. fine. As much as, like I said, I'm, you know, I'm a sad man. I'd love to be watching Arsenal twice a week, but my head is saying this is the best opportunity we've got. I'll be honest with you, right now, and it does hurt. And we'll talk about maybe predictions last the next week, but this is probably our best opportunity to get into a top six. I'm not saying a top well, four, a top I mean, six. I mean, Liverpool went only from playing once a week in Klopp's sort of season when he took over in October versus his first full season. We went from eighth to fourth, so I yeah. Do but wrong. I, 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 I would argue I, there wasn't the strength of City, United, Chelsea, I, Leicester, I, I, and, and I think so that's on. fair. And also, I know you defend the guy, but I don't think you claim that Arteta's a better manager than Jurgen Klopp either. But why yeah, I bring that time. up? Given time, why I bring that up is not to say that that should be your aim next season, but it's more to say that that's the kind of you can make rapid progress yeah. when you're in a vacuum. And I think yeah. Arsenal are in a vacuum at the moment between, uh, I think there's a lot of doubt out there as to whether they'll kick on at all. And there's definitely no expectation of um, winning titles. So I think it's, if anything, if this is Arsenal's rock bottom, then it's not that bad and it's a place you can build from quite quickly. Yeah. If and... if the vision is right, if the team is right, you know, if these are, if they do sign the right, that's the big if. If they do sign the right people and if the management can get a tune out of them, that's the only thing that would worry me. Yeah, and my final point is, as you were saying, it's a good place to spring from. I'm hard-pressed to think, maybe, obviously City, taking those huge boys out of it, who has better youth right now than Arsenal? As in, performing week in, week out in the Premier League at their age, you know, your Willocks, Saka, Emile Smith-Rose, Martinelli's, and all the signings we've made are under 23. Um... So you're talking three, five years in the future. Obviously, things can change, I know. But you're looking quite healthy at that point. So I'm happy yeah, to go with them to build that way. But no, if you're listening, Arteta out there, Mikel, please, please bring in a creative midfielder for me. And you know what? I won't be greedy after that. Bring in one superb one and I'm happy. Yeah, I think what the point of what we're trying to say here is that Nobody wants to be eighth if you're an Arsenal fan and you hate the fact you've ended up there. But if you're trying to see the positives, there's a lot of room to grow here as long as you get these signings right. And I agree that a strong creative midfielder could be the uh, the statement of intent that kicks things off going in the right direction again. Yeah, I do hope. OK, Miss Miller, it's been lovely talking to you as always. Uh, but they, the people are crying out for Nikita. So I shall leave you all in the capable hands and adultic tones of Mr. Miller and Nikita McNee after this. Ladies and gentlemen. You can't bring an object onto the field and start rubbing on the cricket ball and you've got all the cameras on you. I mean, it's an embarrassment. It really is an embarrassment. And we're back. 
ladies and gentlemen, or rather should I say, I am back, Nick, to host the news once again. Alex, greetings. Greetings, Nikita. It's good to have you back. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be uh, back as always. Like, like we, to keep this, missed, like to keep this nice and formal. Nice and formal here yes. is what we are. Yeah. Uh, Alex, um, there's been a lot of uh, rumours on the grapevine, should we say. A lot of uh, discussions with uh, a certain Mr. Grealish is going to Manchester City. And I, I, I got to say, I'm, I'm not quite sure how this really fits in. But there, you know, Pep Guardiola, once he sees a man, he wants his man, and he usually gets his man. Um, talk us about where Grealish is going to fit in with Manchester City. I'm probably being a little bit harsh on Grealish here, because obviously everybody knows he's a very good player. But doesn't the, I suppose I'm going to answer your question with a question. Doesn't this feel like just a, a supercharged version of when they signed Mares for sixty million because they could? Like they, they could. don't. The they don't time. necessarily. They don't necessarily need somebody like Grealish, but there's no reason not to go for him if you can afford him and he wants the move. And obviously, City can afford it. So, I feel like to which it's a fine to move. To which the Mares, uh, the Mares thing we said at the time was. Uh, you know, the same thing was like, why do you need that signing when you have Raheem Sterling? Well, yeah, well and to be fair on, on to be fair on Mares, he after like a maybe a first season as a bit part player, he has come on to be quite a strong member of that side. So, not playing every game, but Man City don't really have a player that, outside of defence and maybe De Bruyne, that does play every mm. game. So, I, I think for Man City, they're thinking, well, there's a premium player on the market, and we. We have the big books that are needed to land him. Let's land him and go from there. Do Do you think this is going to be the replacement for Kevin De Bruyne, or is this a complementary piece? Because no, it's complementary. Yeah, we started to see the. I'm almost a little bit concerned with his uh, health record now. Um, Kevin De Bruyne, he's hasn't exactly looked the most um, freshest in recent seasons, should we say? Um, and I think usually the target, um, he is the target for uh, opposition players, as it's hard to really stop him apart from hack him down. Um, which is exactly the same way that Jack Grealish almost operates, draws the most fouls in the Premier League last year. Um, so it's it's a bit of a almost a double-edged sword, really. But how do you integrate? All these uh, I, attacking midfielders. Yeah, I think he's more complementary than a direct replacement to De Bruyne. De Bruyne does play deeper, I think, really. And Grealish has that wing option that you could argue De Bruyne doesn't have. Mm. So I, I think how you implement it is that Man City tend to rotate their attacking core anyway because they've got so many options there. I think he'll play 60% of the time if he plays fit in that attacking core, sort of attacking midfield wingers onwards. So I think he'll just go into the rotation there. They almost play it, um, you watch American football, they almost seem to play it a bit like um, a wide receiver call where sometimes you do have hmm. different players being the main target each match and Grealish will just fit into that rotation really well. So hmm. I, I think because of that it is complimentary. I don't think he's going to be the linchpin of the Man City team, but it'll be a, it'll be a good guy to have in that forward group and he'll play most of the time as long as he can stay fit uh, just going on to the Aston Villa side of things obviously this is um, probably the biggest blow you'd say a Premier League club has suffered in a transfer window quite this uh, for this entire period really um, it's hard to replace a player like Jack Grealish but how do you do it well, they're not being shortchanged by it when we say it's a massive blow. Let's remember that. I think 100 million for Grealish is really good value. He's 26, is he? I want to say maybe 27. 24, not, I believe. No, 20. Oh, sorry. I'm I'm age. Well, I'm aging him there, but he doesn't. He already doesn't have like the greatest injury record in the world. So, I think that's pretty good value for Villa. It obviously does depend how they spend it. I think the way of getting over this isn't perhaps to sign Leon Bailey for £25 million, but we'll get onto that in good time, I'm sure. Um, mm. uh, look, 
they're not going to get a like for like replacement so they'll probably have to change the way they play a little bit but i don't think they'll feel short changed i don't think it's a a catastrophe especially considering they um they missed him for a lot last season although i'm saying this and it is coming to my mind just how bad they were without him last season so that would be the only alarm bell in my head if i was a villa fan you obviously have to do something there but i don't think it it, it doesn't need to be a catastrophe for them, I guess is what I'm saying. They've got the financial firepower from it to um, rebuild, even if in a slightly different system. Yeah, I mean, you've already mentioned the uh, Leon Bailey transfer for £25 million. Um, I'm a bit perplexed by uh, that one, to be honest. Um, I'm not quite sure that he's the uh, he's what he's cut, to, cut out to be. I think we said in the pre-game show um, that... Uh, He's a bit of a Victor Ibarbo type to me personally, a bit too much uh, one-dimensional. But I, I, I am kind of in, interested if um, Buendia is uh, who I don't know if you remember Arsenal missed out on. Um, You're welcome, if, Cam. Uh, if they uh, use him really to kind of fill the Grealish talisman, I did see some reports linking Todd Cantwell as well. Um, that to me is. I don't want to say a like for like because it's very hard to replace a player like Jack Grealish, but that's probably as good of a replacement in terms of mould and playing style for Jack Grealish as you can get. What do you what do you reckon? Yeah, I don't really have anything to add to that because I think you've hit the nail on the head there. I don't dislike the Bailey move. I think quite as much as you do. I don't particularly rate him that highly. I think he's, as you say, pretty one dimensional. I think he's your standard kind of pace merchant of a football player. That being said, it will give them another angle of attack. If they can land Cantwell, I think that would be excellent. Combined with Buendia, I, I think that the, the three of those together will be not a light, not a sort of keep Villa on the same level without Grealish, but it will tie them over. They won't collapse if they land the three of those, or the hmm. two of those, consider or the one of those even, considering they've got two of them already. Hmm. So, moving from one saga, that's almost concluded, to what looks likely to be another saga to be likely concluded. Romelu Lukaku is going back home, supposedly. Well, not home, but to one of his uh, aforementioned clubs in uh, in Chelsea Football Club. Um, Alex, I'm again perplexed by this one, to be quite frank. Um... If you're going to spend 130 million euros on a striker, would you not want to spend it on Erling Haaland? Well, to be fair, I think Dortmund have asked for 200 million euros, haven't they? So you would have to stump up that figure a lot. But yeah, I'm more with you on this one. I, You don't know this, but when I was speaking to Cam, I did mention that I don't think fee paid is the biggest consideration when judging like a top-level Premier League transfer. So I don't want to immediately contradict myself. However, uh, £120 million for Lukaku is eye-catching, considering mm. his record in the Premier League before. And is he a player that is going to make a transformational difference for Chelsea, which I think is what you're looking at for a sum like that? I don't think he is, unless he can show something in the Premier League which he really hasn't shown before. He's already had a big money move to Man United and that fell on its ass. I don't know. To me this Well, I think a... that's you can blame Jose Mourinho. Well, to an extent, yeah, okay, fine. Probably being a bit mean there on him. But and I think Ole Gunnar Solskjaer didn't take much of a fancy to him, which is Well, <laughs> well, and we see, we've seen yeah, how but... that's gone. But I've where apart from maybe the last two seasons, is there anything in his career that makes you think a hundred and twenty million pound transformational striker? Not particularly, no. Um, I've I it just I'm kind of perplexed from the Chelsea side of this, not just the fee, because it always seems to me as if they've had this fascination with Lukaku, as if the one that got away. Um, obviously, that kind of ties in with the uh, De Bruyne aspect, really, because they had that drive in the. I think under the Villa Spurs years, where they recruited both uh, De Bruyne and uh, Lukaku, and I want to say the same period of about twelve months. Um, and it always seems as if, as I said, he's been the one to get away. I think I don't know if you remember this, but they tried to recruit him after that first Championship year, uh, Champions winning year with uh, Antonio Conte, um, and they lost out to Man U. So 
I kind of feel as if this has almost been like a long-term target, as if we need to get one of the guys back, almost. And it's kind of working to their detriment, almost. Um, I don't really see why they need to do this. Um, I, I, I don't really understand why they haven't given Tammy Abraham really a proper go. Um, yeah, I think the two I think two players will be massively put out by this. Tammy Abraham is one, and I think if you're Timo Werner, you're thinking, oh, okay, well, I've been given up on then. And you can debate the merit of whether it's too early or too late even to have given up on Werner, but I think both of those players will look at this transfer and think, well, this is really shitty for me. So I don't think it's great from that side of things either. Or they're moving Werner out to the wing. Which they could do, and I think they will do if Lukaku comes in, at least in a rotational form. But, yeah, I don't know. There's a little bit of, we've tried to sign every striker we can. You know, Morata's not worked, Werner's not worked. Lukaku's got perhaps a slightly more established record. Let's try him now. And I don't know if this is the surefire guaranteed 20 goals a season they're looking for. No, it's... um... It's very strange to me. Um, I don't. I'm not exactly the biggest fan of it. Uh, I do like Romelu Lukaku as a player. I think Chelsea are now seeing, well, or they saw, what would have happened if they bought Romelu Lukaku instead of uh, Alvaro Morata under Antonio Conte, which is still one of the most perplexing uh, decisions to not, you know, buy the man that your manager wants and wanted badly. And well, we saw how we did under Antonio Conte. Anyway. Uh, Alex, we're going to move away from strikers um, and attacking midfielders, should I say, as well. Uh, we're going to Manchester United. Um, in the last few weeks, they've uh, bought Rafa Varane for £30 million. Now, Alex, you're not going to believe this, but £30 million is actually £20 million less than £50 million, which I think, um, I think there was a club that bought a centre-back for £50 million, but uh, I've forgotten his name in the club. Um... Alex, let me ask you one question, um, and it's not exactly about um, Rafa Varane, the player himself, more the club. But are Manchester United are they, are they starting to finally behave like Manchester United? I don't know if they're starting to behave like Manchester United, but they're starting to behave like a recruitment team with an actual brain. They seem to have finally discovered that they actually need to start building a team rather than thinking they're one big signing each summer away from winning a title again. I think the mm. last few summers, they, they've tried to plug holes where they've appeared, like a potential championship team does, without thinking, actually, that there are, this isn't going to work anymore. We need a more cohesive strategy. And I think this summer, we've started to see that a little bit. Um, thanks for the maths lesson, by the way. Um, mm. I've said earlier in this week's show that I don't mind the Ben White transfer so much because you, if you take the value side of it out of well. it, but um, but I'm sure the uh, our editor in chief will get some great enjoyment out of your remark there. Well, yeah, but yeah, Nicholas Soule is available for thirty million. Well, okay, that that's a a spin on it that we'll let him ponder. Um, but no, going back to your question, I, yeah, I don't know if they're behaving like Man United again, but they are showing a bit more strategic vision this this uh, transfer window. They've still gone for the big money name in Sancho, but at least it's, you know, you can see it. They needed a winger. They're not signing a big money name for the sake of it now. They needed centre-back reinforcements, and I think Varane for £30 million is fine for that. The question with Varane is, is he going to be better than Lindelof? Well, yeah, he is. So that's fine, and it's not a bank-breaking amount of money either. So I, I think the two of those signings together are are good business. I think the um, I've seen a, I've I've seen far too many people propping them up for the title, and uh, outside of the obvious um, manager uh, issues, I think they still have uh, recently re-signed Ole Gunnar Solskjaer to a three-year deal. Um, hmm. um, I think there's still one big issue, which is the middle of the park for me, because I mean Manchester United they seem still convinced that uh, Scott McTominay and Fred, for some reason, seem to be the uh, the answer to a completely different question, which is their centre midfield options in the park aren't very good uh, outside of Paul Pogba 
and um, with reports linking Pogba away to PSG, you do kind of have to get a little bit concerned. Alex, I think they need to make one or two more signings in the centre of the park before they can truly get there. And the worrying thing for me is they haven't been linked with anyone. Yeah, I completely agree. I think a lot of the buzz has come from them wrapping up Sancho and Varane in pretty sort of closely time-wise to each other. I think that always generates a bit of hype and I, like you, have seen some of this maybe United or Outsiders in the title. I agree with you. I, I don't think they're there yet precisely for the reasons you mentioned. I would also put a question mark on goalkeepers at the moment. Um, I'm not giving up on Henderson when I say that, but I don't know if he's going to be the solid, at least regularly 8 out of 10 keeper you probably need these days. To, I think he'll uh, be fine. I think he'll be fine, but I don't know if he'll be enough to sustain a, a, a championship challenge. But that might be different now, to be fair, with... Um, better defenders ahead of him but uh, I'd still have a slight question mark there but obviously you're right the main one is midfield and yep. who's who's between the back line and Fernandez and co and right now they don't have it especially if they lose Pogba so they won't win the title but this summer there's been a bit more strategic vision and they're probably heading somewhat in the right direction mm-hmm. finally Alex we couldn't get around to this last week. It was a troubling time for me, as Fulham confirmed the signing from your beloved Liverpool of Harry Wilson for... I don't want to talk about this deal because of the player, but because now no one really seems to understand what exactly the deal is. Initially, it was announced as a permanent from Liverpool. Now it's being classified as a loan with an option to buy. Um... No one knows what the exactly the terms of the options are. Oh, no, sort of the obligation to buy, sorry. No one knows what's the trigger that causes the obligation to buy. Um, and then it got later reported on that Fulham are making a grand total of zero payments to uh, Liverpool in the fiscal year of 2021. Um, and that they start next year. Um, Alex, I only have one question. Is financial fair play a joke? Yes, but um, it doesn't. It, it's the kind of thing that doesn't need to be gotten into anymore because it's a well-established fact that it's not really limiting anyone anymore. But um, yeah, it is a confusing deal, isn't it? It seems to have contradicted itself about five times. Um, I, I, how can uh, how can it go from a nine million pound transfer to no, sorry, a twelve million pound transfer to a nine million to uh, a loan uh, with an option to buy to a loan of an obligation to buy? Um, the transparency here is, I mean, I mean, it's it's stuff out of Watergate almost, um, <laughs> to be frank. So do you? Well, I, I'd expect you to have the tapes ready just to uh, make a point here. But um, wow. look, it it kind of shows, from to a certain extent, that Liverpool are desperate to offload players like this. There is a few mm. in that category at the moment. Uh, I don't know what can else I t- there is can to I say. Can I tell you it. my? Uh, can You're I tell li- you my Divock Origi conspiracy theory? <laughs> Go on. I think he's going to Wolves to uh, pay off the remainder of that uh, Diego Hotter uh, <laughs> dealing. Now, whether look, you know Wolves particularly want that, well, remains to be seen. But it's not called a conspiracy theory for nothing. Champions League winning scorer Divock Origi. Yes. But look, go back to Wilson for a second. I don't know if you want me to say that I think he's okay or whatever. He's fine. I don't. He's yeah, fine. you'll enjoy the free kicks. So he missed the sitter on the weekend. Well, that yeah, I but he there. doesn't doesn't score sitters, does he? He scores a belter no. once every three months, and everybody goes on about him, and then the uh, the hype dies until the next belter comes along. So he may only get you four or five a season, but they'll look good, for whatever that's worth. It's going to be nice to have a proper set piece taker um, for uh, the first time since Danny Murphy, another ex Liverpool player, really. Um, well, I guess Ross McCormick scored a few now there, but no one wants to hear about Championship football anyway. <laughs> That's my problem. That's my issue. Alex, um, I know there's so much more news out there in the world. I mean, it's it's all, everyone going, but you know we can't exactly cover it all. Um, is there anything interesting that you have left to say to the the 
fellow listeners, the, the heroes of the pod. The people who keep us going, all five of you. Um, give the people what they want. Give the people what they want. Well, I'm not in. I'm not empowered for that uh, authority. But what I would say is, I, I mean, there is a lot of news. There's a lot of waiting to see how Kane at Spurs will play out now that he's gone on strike. Mm. But that's kind of something to talk about. I think when some when there is a kind of breakthrough there. It is interesting that he's gone down that route. I didn't know he'd be the kind of player to do that, but if it's the only way he can make Levy a seed to the move, then fine. Other than that, it's been a. I think we've covered what there is to cover. There it is, ladies and gentlemen. We'll be back next week. We're going to go through our 1 to 20s of the Premier League. Uh, there may be many controversial opinions, there may be fights, but we will get it done regardless. Everyone, take care, have a lovely week, and enjoy your life. Alex, thank you.